cool. We could start like a, a television ministry and then she could be like the MC or she's like Disney kids. Does she look like a Disney kid? No? <laughs> Better than a Disney kid. Um, we are jumping into a series. How many of you are grateful that we serve a God that promises life from death? That we serve a God of resurrection. And it, it, he doesn't promise us the perfect life, but he promises us that every suffering that we go through can be turned into a sacrifice. And that sacrifice brings life and ministry to others. And I want to I I take a poll this morning. How many of you in the past two years have gone through some sort of suffering? Raise your hand if you have gone through some sort of suffering in the past two years. Some of us, keep your hands up and then look around. You're in good company because that's like the majority of, of everyone here. One of the things that, that I'm coming to understand is that the person that I follow, Jesus, he went through a lot of suffering. And as his disciple, he, he doesn't take away suffering from my life. He allows me to walk through it and he walks through it with me. And as I walk through it, I get closer to him, and, and then he heals me. He heals my diseases. He heals the brokenness and then allows me to help others who have been hurt. And in this world, we will see suffering. We will see pain, but be of good cheer. God has overcome the world. Amen? And so, so he places us in this world to be a light in darkness, and the, the world is going to get increasingly more and more dark but in that darkness, he's put you and he's put me to be a light as, as people who have gone through suffering ourselves that we can minister hope out of uh, in that suffering. I just got, a, I got a, um, a text message from one of my cousins, and uh, she sent me an article that just came out in the paper that, um, that my other cousin, um, her, my auntie that helped us start this preschool, uh, her daughter... Um, who is my cousin, they found her husband dead in a, um, in his, at his workplace. And they're still investigating everything. They don't know how it happened, but he was emotionally distraught uh, when it, um, before they found him. And uh, so I, I called my pastor friend on Oahu. I said, hey, did you hear about so-and-so and, and what happened this morning? And he said, yeah, I'm on it. Like, I've been talking to the family and ministering to them through this whole situation. And, um, and he said, you know, I, God put them on my heart, and I had been texting them and calling them and actually had a couple conversations before this happened, and God gave me a heads up that there was something wrong um, in, with this family that was coming to church. They had stopped coming to church during the pandemic, but just, you know, a prompting of the Holy Spirit uh, helped him to reach out. And he, and, I said, and he said, I feel so bad because I didn't push harder. I was asking them how things are going, and they said everything was okay. And I said, hey, you know, that's all God asks us to do is, is when he prompts us to, to make ourselves available, and then it's up to uh, that person to, to respond. And um, it was exactly what this message was on uh, that I was going to preach about, that God sent the 70 out to, to take peace and and the response, though, is not our responsibility. Our, our responsibility is just to make the love of God available to others. And I just want to encourage you, um, God has placed you exactly where he wants you to be. There, there, there are people in your workplace, there are people in your family, there's people surrounding you that might seem super 
you know, everything's fine on the outside. But if you feel a prompting of the Holy Spirit to just like text them and say, hey, how's it going? And hey, you've been in my heart. You've been in my mind. I just want to let you know that God loves you. That that is a great, uh, just step out and do it. Just be obedient to the Holy Spirit because you never know what's going to happen. And, and I know that uh, now my cousin who, you know, was reached out to uh, by, by this pastor, that um, she'll know that God cares about her because in that point of need, there was someone that was reaching out to her. So I just want to um, throw that out there. This message this morning is called Turning Suffering into Sacrifice. Can you say that with me this morning? Turn your suffering into sacrifice. Say it one more time. Turn suffering into sacrifice. And there's a lot of us that have gone through suffering in this past uh, several years. Um, even if you feel like you haven't gone through stuff, this is a vehicle that God uses to minister. And so I'm confident that you suffered some way, even if you feel like you haven't, because that's the hint of how God wants to use you to minister to someone else, is through your personal suffering and through your, um, through the pain that you've experienced. Uh, let's read the scripture together, and then we'll jump into the word, uh, turning your suffering into sacrifice. Um, let's read it at the count of three. One, two, three. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two, before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. Then he said to them, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Let's, let's pray this morning. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that you want to speak to us. Thank you for your presence here uh, during the worship service and that you have been ministering to us uh, God, we lift up every person that we know uh, and people that are in this congregation as well that are, are going through suffering right now. Lord, that you would give us the grace to turn suffering into sacrifice. And through that sacrifice, Lord, that your presence would be found and that you would minister life through every single one of our lives. God, you spoke light into darkness and you have placed us as salt and light in, this, in our community where darkness is. And God, I just ask that, that you would use every single one of us to be a reflection of your grace, your mercy, and your forgiveness. We ask this in Jesus' wonderful name. And everyone said, amen. amen. Um, when you first read this scripture, it doesn't seem like there's a lot in this scripture about sacrifice. Uh, but there are the three first uh, words of the scripture that says, after these things. Could you say that? After these things. So what were the things that... Uh, were before that. If you turn to Luke chapter 9 at the, so the, the, the whole chapter of Luke chapter 9 is Jesus ministering. He, he ministers to the 5,000. He heals a, a, a boy that's sick. And then at the, the very end, people are saying, hey, we want to be a part of your group. We want to be uh, one of your disciples. You know, he's done all of these great things. And there's people now that he's caught the attention of. And they're saying, we want to follow we want to follow too. We want to be a part of the in crowd. We want to be a part of the, 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 the crew, the disciples. And, uh, and Jesus, he, he lays out the cost of discipleship. And in verse 57, it's not in your notes, but I'm just going to read it out of the scripture. Nine, uh, Luke 9, 57, it says, Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes. Birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Basically, Jesus was saying, I'm homeless. 
And uh, if you want to be homeless too, you're more than welcome to follow me. And he was like, ah, nah, you know what? I think I'm going to pass on that. And when you come and you give food and you multiply bread and fish, I'll be there. But uh, peace. You know, and, and he took off. Jesus himself, when I, when I saw uh, these scriptures, I always thought, man, God, Jesus raised this bar so high. And, and that's pretty brutal that he's like turning people away. But when I thought about it, if you look at what he was asking someone to do to be homeless, it wasn't something that Jesus didn't do himself. He left his home, and he came to earth, and he, he left his family. He came to earth because he, he loved us. So the next thing, um, then he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. And Jesus said, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. That sounds super brutal that he asked somebody to leave their family in their family's time of need. But if you think about Jesus, he left his father. He, he left his family and he came to earth. He put us before his family in, in some aspects. You could look at it that way, that, uh, through that perspective. And he was asking someone to do the same. The last part, he says, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell, uh, those who are at my house. And Jesus said, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom. And when you read this, it seems really harsh at first until you think about the motive of why Jesus did everything that he did. He left his home. He left his father. He left the comforts of his surroundings, not because he had to, but because he was in love with you and he was in love with me. Isn't that awesome? that he loved us enough that he left all of that stuff to pursue you, to pursue me. When, when I first got married um, and I moved to Maui, we were living with my parents. Uh, you know, they lived on the last house on that street. And I was living with them, and the, the thing that would go through my mind is like, I need to get out of here. <laughs> not, not because my parents are bad, but it's just, you know, the Bible says, then shall a man leave his father and mother, you know, get out of the place that... And be joined to his wife. And I was just like, I can't. I, I lived here all my life. I got to get out of here. And so we prayed. And we prayed very specifically. We said, God, please give us something that costs less than $600 a month. Man, cheap. <laughs> Crazy. But I remember praying exactly. God, please. Long time ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Old. Um, help, help us to find something for $600 a month. And just help it to be close by. And something opened up right down the road, like right down here, 500 square feet, small, tiny little place, but it was $600 a month exactly, and it was close enough that I could drop my laundry off so that my mom could do it. <laughs> and, and it was an answer to prayer. I loved being with my wife so much that moving from a bigger house to a smaller house didn't seem like a sacrifice. And she's not here, so I'm going to speak for her, that her moving from Oahu and all of her family and her friends and her comfort zone and for her to move here, she was just like, I love Jonathan so much. He's like the best thing that ever happened in my life. He's so handsome and smart, and I just love being around him 24-7, that it's zero sacrifice for me to come here and live on Maui with my crazy in-laws. 
she's probably not going to listen to this a lot. If she does, that's okay. Because that's how she feels, I think. <laughs> I <know. laughs> Brian says I'm delusional. But, but God in his love for us, he did all of that because he was in love with you and he was in love with me. And, and, and what he did in forming his team is he said, I want you to love my bride the same way that I do. And he wasn't interested in people that were following him for their own personal gain or following them because they, were, he, they could get something from him. Or He wanted to know that they would be willing to leave their father, leave their home, leave their family because they loved the bride so much, because they were on the same mission with the same heart. And, and so God's call for discipleship isn't this like, if you want to follow me, then you got to do all this. That's not it. His call to us is an invitation. If you want to nurture the church, if you want to nurture the bride, if you want to care for humanity, I want you to love humanity in the same way that I do. Be willing to leave because you cannot gain something without it costing you something. And so he left everything to get us, to, to, to win our hearts. And he asks us to do the same. It's a privilege it's a privilege to follow him. And in you being here after COVID and all of this crazy stuff, you, you, you being here is saying, I'm available. I love Jesus. I want to be a part of the mission. I want to show his love to the world. And so thank you for, for being here. Um, so turning suffering into sacrifice. Uh, to follow Jesus is to sacrifice. Let's read this scripture together. One, two, three. But Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Jesus sacrificed everything because he loved us, and he's looking for those who will sacrifice everything to follow him. Um, when we were worshiping in the first service, I just, uh, sometimes when I'm worshiping, I'll see like different impressions and pictures, and I just saw a picture of a branch getting cut, and uh, in the place of where the branch is cut, I, I personally hate plants. Everything that I touch kind of dies with plants. If I had my way around my house, my wife loves plants, and there's plants everywhere. <laughs> and I'm like, do we have to have so many plants? Like, we, you already have one of those plants. Why do you need two? But she has, like, tons of plants. That's what Filipinos do. Is they like to plant stuff. <laughs> Joking. I'm just kind of not, though. Um, <laughs> and you know what's funny is that, that all of my wife's friends they, they like to give her plants because they know it irritates me. So anytime that they can, they drop off more plants to our house. So now we have like, uh, anyway, what's my point? Um, oh, so there's this, when you cut something, a lot of times it creates trauma in the plant. And the very place that you cut it off is where all of the, the growth happens. And, and that's, what I saw when we were worshiping is like this cutting, but then these shoots that were coming out of the place that was cut. And I felt it was a word from the Lord saying that in the areas of your life that there's suffering, in the areas of your life where there's pain, that is the exact area where God is going to bring life and he's going to cause ministry to flow from you. And so don't ignore the pain. Don't try to stuff the pain. That's the exact place where God wants to use you. And so... 
So at the end of the service, we're going to have a time where we can just pray and bring those things to God, surrender our suffering to God to be a sacrifice so that God can, can use us in, in those ways. Um, it's interesting. I wasn't, you know, planning to, to, to preach out of that. You need to lead where the person said, I want to bury my father. Um, this week has been kind of a crazy week where lots of different things happen. Um, our sympathies go out to Shalise. Um, her father passed away this week. Um, it was through uh, multiple heart attacks uh, that he passed away. And uh, this whole week, we're, I was, you know, the whole team was saying, hey, sh- uh, if you want to stay home, um, we'll cover all your responsibilities. You can take time to stay. With-. And she's like, no, I want to be in the house of the Lord. I want to be here. And, and to see people responding in their pain and turning suffering into a, a offering a sacrifice is, is amazing um, to see God's people respond in that way. Um, last service, uh, Tony, uh, whose wife passed away from COVID, he was, he was here. And I've seen so many people, understandably, like after they, my own grandma, when my grandpa passed away, she never came to church, like hardly ever came to church after that because it's too painful to come and sit in a place that you would sit every single week with your spouse. But he's here. And I, so I, and I talked to him and I said, why do you come to church, like even in, in your pain? And he said, I promised God that when she died that I would be faithful to, for her and, for, and to God. And it's so, like, amazing to see people worship in their pain. And don't think for a minute. That God doesn't see that either. God sees every suffering, every tear. And in that place where you can trust God in your pain, that is the greatest act of worship. And God will use that in powerful ways. Our our tendency is whenever something is in suffering, whenever you hurt, it demands attention, right? Like several weeks ago, um, I was cleaning something and I accidentally uh, slid my foot into this this drain and it ripped my my uh, toenail off. <laughs> ripped my toenail off. I looked down. There's like blood splurting all over the place. What do you think the first thing that I did was? Oh, butterfly. No, I was like focused on my toe. Like there's blood coming out of my foot and trying to find some way to stop the bleeding and then to, you know, like clean it and whatever. And and for the next week, every single time I stepped wrong or put my sock on and it caught on the remaining nail, and like, or if I'm in the bed and I pull up my covers and then like, you know, it like rips it, it would demand attention, and I would I would be like ah, and and I had to like you know take care of it. It's the natural thing to focus on pain. It's a supernatural thing to focus on what God is doing through the pain. Amen? It's so easy to focus on what's missing, on what hurts, on what could be done better, on our frustrations, not knowing that there's a better thing that God is building in our lives. And 
uh, right now we're going through a house remodel, and I took a picture, and my house is like gutted. Like there's everything that's being ripped out of my house. It looks like a, a, a war zone, a construction zone, and we uh, live in you know small rooms. Like that's our living area. We have no kitchen. Um, this morning, normally, like when I review the message and stuff, I, I have coffee, and uh, we have no co- like I had to. It was a 20-minute ordeal for me to use my Keurig, which normally takes me like 30 seconds. It was 20 minutes. I'm like, this is so dumb. I hate this. But in the process of, of getting a nicer place or rebuilding to a nicer place, I have to get rid of all the old stuff. right? I have to rip out all the old stuff. And I'm so glad that my, my family trusts me enough that they see all of their things getting thrown into the dumpster and they don't hate me for it. That's like the thing in my house. It's like, throw it away, throw it away, throw it away. What? I've had that for 10 years. Throw it away. And everything is getting taken out. But when there's a plan of something new, the old has to go. And, and I feel like God is doing that in a lot of our lives. There's, like a, there's pain, but what helps to get through the pain is to have the understanding that God is building something better. That he's taking out things in our lives because he's going to bring life from death. He's going to add to where there's subtraction. Amen? Um, So the second thing in turning sacrifice into, or suffering into sacrifice is don't do it alone. Uh, Fellowship with others. So to follow Jesus is to fellowship. Let's read this together. And he sent them two by two. Everyone say two by two. Two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. So there's strength and safety in a group. One person can send a thousand. Two people can send ten thousand. It says in Deuteronomy 32. Uh, The application here is to intentionally develop relationships where Jesus is the center. Um, I really believe that that people, not just here in our own services, but people in our community are suffering and that there is pain that's being experienced because of what's gone on in the past two years. Loved ones have passed away. Uh, people have lost their jobs. People have, have uh, gotten intentions with their families and lost family members uh, relationally because of certain issues that have uh, divided divided us. And there is a, a, a vacuum and a hole and a hopelessness. Um, I don't know why uh, my, my cousin's husband, um, I don't know why he passed away, but there was an emotional toll that these past two years took on his life. And he was in a place where he just, it seems like that was the reason why they found him the way that they did. And it really... I feel God has placed us, in this scripture it says that he sent them two by two, everyone say that again, two by two, to the place where he planned to go. And and here we are salt and light. We are disciples of Christ. And when you made a decision to follow Christ, he has sent you. He has already sent you where you are right now is because Jesus plans to go there already. You are a disciple. You've been sent. You are in the place where Jesus intends to go. 
And it's because there's people in that place that right now are fertile to hear the gospel. They, they, they are hurting, and they, they want to know that Jesus cares about them, that there's hope outside of this life. Um, I, in that, the, the process of remodeling the home, the lady that, uh, one of the ladies that I'm working with, yesterday, and I, I wish she was here this morning, but yesterday she said, um, you pastor a church? And I said, yeah, Grace Bible. And she said, I really feel like I should be going back to church. And I said, uh, oh, what church did you go to before? And she said, oh, I, I used to go to church on the mainland. I said, oh, how long ago? She said, 36 years. <laughs> and I said, and only now? And she said, yeah, I really feel like I just need God. I need to have God back in my life. And I, I never talked to her about God. I, sh you know, I just befriended her and, you know, was as pleasant as possible whenever she was around. And, but something inside was saying, like, to her, I need to get my life right. I need to go to church. Um, there's another person in my small group, and he was sharing about how there's a guy in his workplace that he, um, he, uh, he works with. Uh, that's a owner of a different business, and his workers are coming in late and everything, and and um, so that guy fired his employee and said, you know what, just don't come back. If you're going to come in late, don't come back. And he came to one of the guys in my small group and said, man, I feel so torn about what I just did. And he said, you know what you got to do? He said, you got to forgive this guy. Like, go to his house, tell him that you're sorry, and and ask him to come back and tell him that you'll give him a month but that you forgive him and ask him to forgive you. And he was like, what? And he said, no, all the time, my, my employees, they're the same way, and I have to forgive them all the time because God forgives me. And he's like, oh, you're a Christian. And he's like, yeah, go and do it. And so, he's, so the guy listened to him, went to the guy's house, apologized, said he was, he was sorry, said, come, come back to work. I'll give you another month just show up. And he said that it completely changed their relationship. And he came back and said, I'm so appreciative of what you told me. Thank you so much. And he prayed for him. And I was like, oh, like people are open right now. There's an openness. And he's placed us in different areas. And the different pain points that we experience are places where God wants to, to minister. And one of the, th the, the, the fellowship piece is that I'm in a group, a small, a small group where we share about what's going on in our lives, and then it motivates us to like be that light to others. And so I just want to encourage you, we can't do it alone. We enter the harvest two by two. There has to be Christ-centered relationships in our lives um, that, where we can refocus on what God wants to do. And, and the power of that is that so many prayers get answered, so many amazing prayers get answered, when two or more agree on anything. Amen. Amen? Um, to follow Jesus is to represent, this is the last point, and if the worship team could, could come up. Um, we need to represent God everywhere. Let's, let, let's read the scripture together. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself would go. We represent Jesus everywhere. Everyone say everywhere. everywhere. 
um, with or without a bumper sticker, if we understand that Jesus is sending us to those who are open to him, we will be more intentional in the way that we live. Um, that means you represent Jesus in the Costco parking lot. You represent Jesus on the soccer field. You represent Jesus when you're diving. You represent Jesus when you're at your workplace. You represent Jesus everywhere. Quick story. Um, when I was in college, my friend uh, Derek, he put a sticker on his bumper, and it said, honk if you love Jesus. And we had a, a church that we went to. It was on a level heights. And on the way to a level heights, there's a multiple stop signs. And on his way there, as he's going to church in the morning, he was late. And there was a guy behind him. And as he's going, there's a guy behind him at every stoplight. And so, like, he, you know, he, like, got all scared. And he would, like, go to the, the next stoplight. And at the next stoplight, and he's like, this beep, beep, beep guy, like, he better cut this out. He gets to the final stop sign. The guy comes right up behind him at his bumper. And he sticks his hand out and shows him a finger that says, the opposite of Jesus loves you. <laughs> and, then, and then he, you know, he was just mad. And, and so he, he, he drives and gets to the church. And then he's like, oh, my gosh. This guy who's following me is going to see me turn into a church parking lot. It's not good. So he turns into the church parking lot, and then the car follows him. And then he's like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to get in a fight at ch in the church parking lot. And he's like, this is terrible. And so he parks, and then the, the car parks right behind him. And out of the car steps the senior pastor of the church. <laughs> pastor Webb steps out of the car. Derek is in the, the middle, and then Pastor Webb goes up to, to the the driver's door and says, hey, if you have a sticker that says, honk if you love Jesus, then you shouldn't stick your finger out when someone honks their horn. And he was like, oh, shucks. And I never forgot that story, and that's why I don't have a bumper sticker on my car that has anything to do with faith. It, it kind of gives me the freedom to, you know, do whatever I want in the road. <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm just joking because, because we represent Jesus everywhere. Um, but I, I think the, the challenge for us this morning is that as children of God, that he has allowed us to follow the same path as Jesus. And that path is to trust him in the middle of suffering. That there, there's, we live in a broken world we live in a world of pain, and um, people leave us. You know, Shalise's father left their family um, unexpectedly. Um, Tony's wife left unexpectedly. Um, people has, have had to leave their jobs. All kinds of crazy things happen. We live in a broken world. But in that suffering, can we declare that we serve a God of the resurrection, that even in death, yet shall we live. And if we have a trust that mirrors the trust of Jesus, where he was breathing his last breath, and in his last breath he said, into your hands I commit my spirit. You know, he had every reason to not trust God at that moment, that God the Father had turned his back on him, and in his deepest 
time of need, he, he said, Father, why have you forsaken me? You know, every, everything led up to that place where he was suffering for the acts of you and for, for me, that, and he didn't deserve that. But in all of that, in all of that suffering and all of that pain, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. To your hands I commit my spirit. This is our model. This is where we derive our strength. That when we go through suffering, we pain. The cross is where we derive our strength. That's why it says, we declare his death until he comes. Not the victory, not the, the resurrection. We declare his death because it's through his death that we receive our strength. We receive life. And so in the quietness of your heart, I just want you to close your eyes this morning. And in the areas where you have experienced suffering, where you've experienced pain, where you have experienced loss. Let the Lord speak to you. Can you trust him? Can you see with supernatural eyes? The natural eyes look at the pain, focuses on the pain and the loss but his spirit lives within you. And hear his voice this morning. I will lift my eyes until the mountains for whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord. He's the maker of heaven and earth. Though the mountains crumble and the oceans rage, our hope is in the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. We serve a God that turns beauty from ashes. He gives us the oil of joy for mourning. He gives us a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness that we would become trees of righteousness and declaring the goodness of our God. In this moment, I just want to give you the opportunity to surrender to surrender to the Lord and to, to turn. It's in the surrender that you turn the suffering into sacrifice, and it's through the sacrifice that God meets us. So in the quietness of your own heart, Heart. just want to give you the opportunity to surrender to the Lord this morning whatever it is that you're going through this morning the worship team is going to lead us in one final song and use this song as a time to surrender those things to the Lord God we thank you Lord for uh, your word that your spirit is here and that you are our healer that your body is broken, that we could become healed and minister through that healing. God, I pray for every person who has gone through disappointment, gone through suffering, gone through grief. Uh, Lord, that you would allow us to trust you in that, to worship you through that, to turn our suffering into sacrifice, that you would work in and through our lives to be a light in the darkness. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.